Hey guys, welcome back to Fearless as Fuck the Podcast. I'm your host, Christina Lauren. We were just talking before the podcast got started and realized that we are nearing the 60th episode of Fearless as Fuck the Podcast. And it was a really exciting thing to just sit back and take in because one of the topics we talk a lot about on the podcast is getting over limiting beliefs, fear-based mentalities, and just overall kind of trying to uncover what you're capable of and bring a lot of those powerful stories out of our guests and into conversation because a lot of us stand in our own way and some of the people that we bring on the podcast love to share their stories of empowerment and overcoming limiting beliefs. And today I have one of my original producers on the podcast. His name is Travis. Welcome. Hi there, guys. <laughs> yeah. What's good? It's fine. I'm finally in front of the camera. So yes, the camera. I love it. We've had Amber, we've had George, we've had John. So it's long, long overdue. You and know what? I'm I'm like the perfect backup. No, don't <laughs> say that. <laughs> I listen to so many podcasts. There's so many fabulous people like you th- come through here, and like I wish I could like be a guest on every podcast, just because like when you're back there, you're listening to all the content, you see all the clips we're cutting. I am basically as involved as you are, just like passively. Right? On the other side. Correct. And I just, I love everything you do. It's exciting. Oh, thank you. It's, um, I, I get a lot of enjoyment out of being on other people's podcasts here as well, because I feel like you get to sit in on somebody's like passion project mm-hmm. and you get to, like you said, see it from the other side and experience that energy. And it's, it's really cool. And I also love getting to know everyone here at the studio on a different level. And what I think is cool as you guys have been here since the very beginning of not only my podcast, but for me starting podcasting in mm-hmm. general and not knowing shit. About <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're doing Just it out of your apartment. Your apartment uh, surprisingly had a podcast area, which is a very strange thing. You did like two or three episodes, right? Yeah. And what I tell people, and this is part of, I feel like this is part of the journey. And this is what's so exciting is like when you have this calling to do something, I feel like the universe has a crazy way of throwing you little hints at like like yeah. giving you the push. And I had moved into this apartment complex at that time that I was really wanting to start a podcast. And they were giving me the tour and they're like, oh, and here's the podcast studio. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what? I mean, that's, I mean, we should put sticky pause studios in every pod, in every apartment Ooh, complex. How cool would that, that be? Would, that would be amazing. I, yeah. I mean, podcasting and maybe you can speak for yourself, but it's just a, it's, a new way that society is expressing itself. Like the archaeologists are going to love what we're doing right now. There's going to be a point where like AI and all this like, you know, chat GPT, all this stuff kind of gets to the point where like archaeologists, all, all they have to do is just, you know, use search terms for the entire history of the, the planet. Everything. Because everything's stored on servers. And unless there's like some sort of like, you know, catastrophe that <laughs> deletes all the everything. servers. Um, like there's it's impossible. Once you put something on the Internet, it's there forever. Yeah. yeah. And it's exciting to see, you know, everyone's story. Like when you get old and you have, you know, if you have kids or if you have grandkids or aunts, uncles, whatever, they're like, what was it like in 2023? Let me then, show you. Yeah. Let me show you. Let's put on a podcast. <laughs> well, isn't it crazy? Like even when you go back to look at like the beginning of your journey with anything and you see videos of yourself and you're like, oh my God, I suck. Yeah. Or like, oh my God, what was I doing? Or I didn't know anything. And it's sometimes it's like a little cringy to look at, but it's also kind of cool to be able to actually go in and look at where you came from and where you started. And that's exactly how <laughs> I see those videos when I go back. I'm like, Ooh. oh, I, uh, my oldest. <laughs> This video on YouTube is uh, 15 years old, so that would have been – no, that's not right. No, yeah, 2007 was my first video I posted on YouTube. And what I, was it? Um, and it was like uh, – gosh, it was uh, me filming the 
the television, a CR, like a, the, those old TVs with the big backs. And I was playing, I was playing, <laughs> big Wii, back TV. I was playing Wii Tanks. And I wanted to make a tutorial on how to beat Wii Tanks, right? So I just set up my camera and I just filmed it. I didn't know how to edit. By, this is 2007. So I was eight, nine years old doing this. I, I basically, you know, played as far as I could do it. And then I put it into Windows Movie Maker and I sped it up, you know, because, so, you know, I didn't know how to make edits. I just kind of sped it up and then put... <laughs> And the funniest thing about this video that's, you know, 15 years old um, is that it has the captions on it or like overlay text, but I didn't know how to spell very well. So like every (laughs) word in that, like, it's like follow directions. It's like D-E-R-E-C-T-I. Like That's amazing. And uh, but like I look at it and I'm just like, wow, how far I've come from, you know, getting a free copy of Premiere Pro Elements uh, or Premiere Elements on a computer and just making it happen. That's amazing. Um, And then uh, to speak to what you're saying, it's like. So, you know, since then I've, you know, made a bunch. I made stop motion Lego stuff. I did I did uh, dumb videos with my friends, like with my first, like, uh, I broke my mom's Panasonic camcorder. So then I got a different one that was digital. And then, uh, but then I look back and then there's a short period. And I'm, I wonder if you've experienced this before, but where you produce it, you think it's amazing, right? When you're like 12, right? Then there's that period where as you're getting better, you start to feel ashamed of like the stuff that you used to do, right? And I'm not sure if this is just an adolescence thing, but as I was growing up when I was like, like, the stuff I made when I was 12, when I was 16, I removed off the internet. I was like, I want, I unlisted it, I deleted some, and I regret it. Um, and I just was, like, super, super insecure about, like, you know, my videos, right? And my mom the whole time is like, oh, my God, my son is this video wizard, right, telling me how good I am. But I know compared to, you know, Onision, Shane Dawson, Toby Turner, all these mystery guitar man, all these OG YouTubers are, like, producing high-level stuff. And I'm just over here recording my television screen. I just felt, like, insecure. So I deleted it. But... As I got older and as I got to high school and I was like rebranding myself, I was like, all right, like I want people to know where I've come, right? And I also got sick of trying to remember my passwords to all my YouTube accounts. So I just made everything public so I could just search it. And every single relationship I've been in, <laughs> I've uh, there's always a day where I'm like, let me take you down memory lane. And I just show them every old YouTube video I've ever made. I did. I cross-dressed because um, that was a big thing in uh, – uh, in YouTube back then where you just put on a wig, put on some really bad makeup and just like pretend to be a woman. Um, I had little characters. I bought like my first green screen. But uh, when I show these to people, like I'm not showing it to like like boast about anything because it's definitely not good quality. But it's just to show them my mentality, like my persistence, my intense persistence to like it's do what I journey. want. Yeah. It's the whole journey. I relate to that so hard. And I don't think it's just an adolescent thing because I was just doing this last night. <laughs> <laughs> and I am 35. But what I mean by that is I I have this like this like passion to make myself so much better now and constant improvement, mm-hmm. right? You always want to be better than you were yesterday. Well, you would you would hope you'd want to be better than you were yesterday. You want to make better content. You want to be a better podcaster. You want to be a better speaker. Yeah. And I got this fire relit after kind of falling into a funk for a while recently. And I was going back through videos that I had made one year ago, two years ago. Actually, George was the one that told me to do it because he was like when I had lost my my drive he goes mm-hmm. I think you need to go back and watch your old videos yeah and I was like oh, that's, a, maybe that's you're such right. good advice it, that's such good it advice. is it's such good advice and I I went back and did different time periods like he was specifically mentioning go back and watch your first few episodes and remember your why and I was like oh George yeah you're you're like so spot on with that and, and I did and I was like there was a moment where I was like wow, who the fuck is that girl? Like in a good way, like she yeah. was on fire, she was motivated, she was driven, so that really helped. 
But that got me motivated enough to like go back and to look at my old content. And I was looking at some old videos and I was like, this is garbage. Yeah. It isn't garbage, but in comparison to what I'm doing now and what I want to do and when I see other um, creators, I was mm-hmm. like, oh, crap, that, that looks bad. Like I should archive it. Yeah. And then I said, no, I'm, yeah. I'm not going to do that. I want to be the person that people can relate to and see not everything is perfect. She wasn't always good at everything. There was a time where Christina was a beginner at a lot of things. And I think it's really important that people share their journey as to where they started and be open and willing to take their ego down and let it be up there. Because that actually I think is more impressive than just going on someone's page and be like, oh, they're just, everything's great. Everything's always the highlight reel. So yes, it can kind of like be a little hard sometimes, but I think it's important to never forget where you came from. It It's, I kind of have like a controversial uh, opinion in this kind of realm where it's like, um, with the whole like, retrospective canceling of people mm. and I, I mean even the word cancel has kind of lost its pizzazz because like nobody's being can like the people who were meant to be canceled like like the rapists for example i'm glad that they were can- like that was the yeah. first wave of cancelization i think uh, everyone's cool with that yeah you know? and people holding people yeah holding people accountable right but then that's one thing right as an adult you know as a as a person you know doing horrible things of course like if it's just a few years later or if it's like a like a personality thing, like it needs to be addressed. But, you know, when I, as I was growing up, um, you know, you're saying stuff of the time, like even on YouTube saying the R word, if that makes sense, like is, was acceptable, you know, saying the F word for gay people, for example, was a thing people did. And it was never uh, intentional. Well, I'm sure some people used it wrongly, but like, it was never intentional to like use it. It was just like a kind of uh, a comedy trope, if you will. And especially as a young, impressionable kid, I wanted to do what Shane Dawson uh, all these other people were doing. So, of course, I used that terminology. Uh, but as I was growing up, I was, you know, during this time of like, you know, oh, I hate this content. And like, at first it was like the quality sucks. But then like as an adult, I'm like, oh, no. Like, you know, 12-year-old Travis is saying some stuff that, you know, he didn't really know it m- meant. or right. Nor did it mean what it means now then anyways. So when people are like, when old people with content on the internet, tweets, Facebook posts, YouTube videos, when people are going out of their way to go find dirt on and them. hunt you down for right. your stuff. Because, like, like it's not fair. Because, like, you want – you need to have history in order to know how we evolve. There needs but, to be some context. But that's – I like, that's just as bad as erasing the Holocaust out of, you know, history books just because it makes you uncomfy, Right. People can evolve, but do they have to, like, repent publicly for everything they've done ever all the time? The answer is no when it comes to social uh, faux pas. When it comes to criminal acts, that's something different. But, like, like I nuked my Twitter <laughs> um, at the end of high school. And there's a website called nukemytwitter.com or something like that. You should go check it out, especially if you're a problematic person. But, um, <laughs> like, there was a point where – actually, no, it was in college. I, I – it was during the, you know, the 2020 time when everyone is, like, you know, COVID, BLM. Everyone's up in arms about, like, something. Everyone's anxious. And I just – I was just – and I had no idea because I'm not the people uh, that were affected. I live in a suburban white neighborhood super far away from any city. Vegas in general is not – didn't really participate in the BLM stuff or – very heavily like Seattle or some of the other places. So I just didn't know. So I was asking questions, which is apparently the wrong thing to do. But I got so angry and confused about everything that I I was just like, I don't think as a white straight male in the society who's ignorant to 
the uh, the past of you know pre like you know different cultures, right? I don't think I should have to risk my future on this. So I just deleted everything on my social media. I didn't delete the social media, but there's a like a program specifically that scans all of your stuff and it just deletes it manually, each one. So I had like over a thousand tweets since I had it since 2010, completely gone. And I regret every moment of it, just partly because like, dang, I wanted to know what Travis was thinking on Twitter in 2017. Yeah. And uh, that is like, it's it's just as bad as like burning libraries and you know people self censoring is like a really bad deal because if you're willing to be a terrible person in someone else's eyes you're willing to be that person and who cares yeah. right again criminal acts are different right um, but you know we we grow up we get better we we need to see where we come from because if you never go to the past even in your own personal life in a microcosm of your existence you will be doomed to make the same mistakes every single time do you think it's making us soft as a society. I think it's making us more anxious, actually not mm-hmm. soft at all. I think it's making us more combative and more angry because then we we put some ridiculous limitations on social faux pas. Like it's a social faux pas, which is like, you know, just whatever the current state is, but it didn't exist. People in the 1920s did some crazy stuff. They were doing crack on the street and like that was normal. That was allowed. Yeah. Um, and I guess I just mean it soft in a way where like people are so offended and, but I think you're right. It, it comes from anxiety. It comes from all of this built-up tension that it's creating. Correct. And, uh, and you really know these types of people whenever they see somebody who's, who's not, like, who's working up to their best self, and they're, being, they're criticizing those people. Right. So, like, the people, like, in the gym who are, you know, overweight and are just started, the people who are making content but kind of sucks a little bit or it's bad quality or it's not really hitting a niche or whatever, like, those people who reach out to them, go out of their way to make them feel worse— they haven't addressed their own demons. Exactly. And they have—they probably haven't even addressed their own past because they might, they, if they are constantly filtering themselves, they're constantly saying, uh, my past is not me and th- like the future is the new me and like not acknowledging, then they don't, they can't also acknowledge that somebody's now is going to be someone's past in 10 years, right? So like let them mess up. Let them, you know, you know, you know, make a fool of themselves, but don't hold them too hard to that because they will be changed, right? Just give them good advice, you know, be their friend, be there for them when they're down. But trying to force someone to be like, oh, this is how I see the world, you need to see the world that way is ridiculous because one year ago, you didn't see the world that way. And you would have literally unfriended yourself on Facebook because of that. And like, that's not cool. Your friend who's a bit of a bigot or, you know, grew up in the South and just has different views doesn't mean that he's asshole. You know? I think that's really important what you just said too. I would try I think I would like wreck it if I tried to repeat it, but what you were implying about somebody's now being someone else's past, I you you know you see those people who get on such a high horse about where they're at in their evolution journey mm-hmm. and that may also be putting them into a position where they haven't totally addressed what they've either gone through or they're not or they're failing to address that someone else sitting in front of them is at chapter one when they're at chapter five. Precisely. And that's a great way to summarize it. That's the only thing I can think of. And having, I think that that also needs to come with the death of your ego mm. to realize that. And you can really see when someone has not killed off their ego because those are the people that are sitting there judging and placing and, you know, just 
putting themselves in a soapbox with right. with how they're living their life. Um, if you have killed your ego off and understand that journey that you were explaining, you can see where someone is on their own evolutionary journey. And it's not going to be as fast or as slow as yours. It's going to be completely different. So having patience and grace and giving good advice is really important yeah. to help people along those journeys. But you can't place your ideologies straight on to someone and be like, no, this is the way it is. You need to understand this. Right. And if you don't understand this, then what the fuck's wrong with you? <laughs> it's not, it's not, it's not like that. It's everyone it, has to do things in their own time at the same, yeah. at the same time. It's uh something to pay attention to is just like a lot of like this anxiety, like coming from like people afraid of my people, the white, the white straight community of people who are the most privileged and whatever you want to say, like there's like there were, there's an ego problem there too, because there's so many people um, that are like me in during even during my time in like 2020 and like or those you know where I was like evaluating my position in society. Um, it's like I wish I had a better backbone because mm. although my culture, uh, I'm an Ashkenazi Jew, right? My family is like has a history of Jewish uh, tradition, uh, faith, and like you know my family immigrated forever ago to the United States. Um, we didn't come from wealth. We still don't have any wealth in my family. Um, outside of just, I guess, my skin color and the current social stuff, like that's, I wish that whenever all this stuff was being brought up, I knew more about myself because then I am, you're impenetrable, right? Just like when somebody says your content sucks. Yeah. One that could say like totally give you a meltdown. You can, you know, cry. You could say they're right, blah, blah, blah. But it's no different than someone criticizing your content and criticizing your beliefs, right? Just because you hold different beliefs or you know, they're just more antagonistic of what you think doesn't mean that you're wrong or that society will ostracize you. There's so many people who, after the first round of criminal cancelings, um, <laughs> who were just canceled for, you know, just the stuff that they talked about. Their and opinions. Their, their opinions. And uh, they're, they're not cancelable. There's uncancelable people. Um, like Dave Chappelle is a pretty problematic person, right? But like, you know, he's he believes he's not hurting anyone, right? He believes that, you know... He can say what he has to say, and the people who you know follow him still follow him. So he just changed his audience. Like he's no longer speaking to the people that don't like him, obviously. Right. Um, and there's people who were canceled, or like you know Jake Paul or Logan Paul. Like they went to the suicide forest in Japan, right? They made the content, you know, making fun of people committing suicide in a forest in Japan. That's awful. But you know, because they were like, I apologized, and uh, like they understood, and they moved on. Like that. That's not – they can't be, you know, double jeopardy sort of situation. They can't get in trouble twice for that. Um, so when people are, like, called out, it's like you just have to be ready at all times. You have to have straight-up conviction. Like, when you make your, these YouTube videos, when you're making this podcast, you weren't not confident when doing it. You were like, I want to do this. I had a plan for this. This is the point. But you can't think of every scenario. There's somebody in – Uganda or India that's gonna be offended by something you say or if I thought about that every time I got in this studio I would never record <laughs> right I would never fucking record and I will tell you there was a time where I was like oh my god what are people gonna say but then I actually had to sit back and think about it and I'm like I know exactly why I'm doing this and I know exactly what I'm saying right these are my opinions and I know I'm trying to do something for for good mm -hmm. so if someone has something to say that's on them. Right. I'm not hurting anybody. I'm not doing anything wrong. I mean, there are people who are doing some pretty risque, like, things that could potentially hurt some feelings. But like you said, 
they're also doing it with the conviction of what they want. They want to grow their audience. They want to do some clickbait shit that's going to make people watch and share Mm -hmm. it, you know, depending on what your niche is. Right. But you have to understand with whatever you're going into that you are going to get hate. And the more popularity you get and the more audience and leverage you get, it's going to come with more opinions. And you have to really decide if those opinions matter or not. Yeah. And there's a cult- and in what way? Like <laughs> <laughs> And there's a culture of hate watching now. Oh my god. So it's like Don't like- get me Amber. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I told Amber I was like you have to go through my YouTube comments. I can't do it. Is it that bad? Well, no. It's not that bad. Well, you were actually I- you know, like the 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 debate between you and Daverick like was reviewed by just pearly things or whatever and uh she did not talk Highly on your side of that argument. Oh, I'm sure. Um, but like, hey, that's good content. You got to monetize. It, I'm sure. But, um, I actually like that was the one that that did it for me because if people if people really have something bad to say about some of the episodes I do on Fearless, I I literally don't know what to say because everything we talk about on here is supposed to be uplifting, positive to help you like grow strength and whatever. Right. So if somebody is triggered by something we say on here. That literally just shows me that they have unhealed things that they wish that they, that they could take care of. Right. Because if I wasn't feeling very confident and I heard someone talking about confidence, it's not going to make me feel very good sometimes. Right. But if I'm in a position to want help or want advice, it's going to motivate me. So it really depends on where the positioning is mm-hmm. of the person that's receiving the content. But when it comes to that podcast with me and Davrick, when we're talking about like the red pill shit and like yeah. masculine, feminine energy and relationships and you have very conflicting ideologies – and you also have me who's not very argumentative and I'm just going to say things the way I want to say it about right. how I view relationships. And you have someone like her. I don't really want to hear what she has to say because I don't really give a fuck but you'd at be, some point. Like what's really sad, like you probably have more in common with her than you do uh, somebody else in the world. But which see, is and that's crazy. what's funny is like. People like that, though, want to use it to talk shit and get those, like, views up. Same with Daverick. But Mm -hmm. I do have some of the same views. It's just the way it's delivered. Right. I think you – I think that's probably the right way to say it. But You have to imagine the person criticizing – like you said, the person criticizing also has, like, uh, some introspective stuff that needs to be, like – like Worked out. Worked out because, again, if you're you're just a farmer farming, right? You're just doing your thing. That's your whole life. You farm. You you go through the winter. You almost starve. You – next next harvest, you farm again or whatever. Like – that's that's your own prerogative. Then if somebody's like yelling acro- from across the 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 farmer, like, "Hey, I don't like what you're doing over there." <laughs> like, you're gonna you're gonna the farmer's gonna be like, "Oh man, oh I'm so sorry. Oh man, it's gonna let me destroy just, me." Oh my god, it's like no, fucking just do what you do. Like everyone, the goal of humanity, they just want to sit there on their fucking porch or on their fucking pasture or you know next to a campfire and just sip their goddamn coffee and just look off in the distance. Every single person in the world wants that. They want that without any anxiety of something else happening in the world. It's when you are uncomfortable in your current position of wherever you are for whatever reason on any aspect, on any topic, is when you start to be that person yelling at someone just minding their own business. And you go to the South, for example, people like to – uh, the left likes to think like the South Rim of the United States is extremely conservative and unhealthy and you know racist or whatever. But I've never met a nicer group of people down there than here. Vegas is, although more li- the most liberal part of Nevada, is completely. There's no sense of community here. Like you don't know your neighbors. Like like there's community events, but like it's very minimal. But you go to Houston 
or you go to the suburbs of wherever, they're straight up walking in your house and saying howdy neighbor and put a, a pie on your on your shelf and then yeah, walk you don't out. See that out here for like, sure. It's just like <laughs> that is community. And that's people who who have something in, in common. The, they, they are fighting the same battle, like which is just humanity. Right. And you notice that there's a reason why the human condition, like when you have a common enemy, nothing matters anymore. It's because you start stop focusing on your differences and start focusing focusing on your similarities. That's why wartime is some of the best economical and social times for countries. It's because there is a very clear, this is our enemy, everything is in the goal of that, and that there's nothing else that matters in this world, right? Like both parties of the United States during all the war times generally have one prerogative, stop the war. But the war is happening behind the scenes anyways because the government sucks, but that's what's happening. Yeah, it's kind of fucked up when you think about it too because if we could just in, we could bring in more of that community vibe all of the time, this world will be a way more peaceful place to live. We just got to find, like, like we just got to fight the good fight, which is just, yeah, we all need to make our living. We all need to do what we want. But I think uh, there's just a lot of culture issues in the United States specifically um, that just needs to be addressed. And, you know, not liking your family and not liking your that one person is totally okay because you go to different parts of the country, they're assholes to each other. Like, sorry, different parts of the world, they're assholes to each other. Uh, the United States is like one of the few places that actually uh, care about status um, over uh, – sorry, care about money over status. So, for example, like in the Asian countries or in uh, Europe, they had a culture brewing over the long period of time where trust was the most important thing, most important currency. And uh, whether or not you had a lot of money or didn't have a lot of money, somebody in the UK can – like you keep your core family, your, your group of friends really close and everyone is an enemy, Right. That creates like camaraderie. They do that because whether you're broke, rich, or whatever, your network is your net worth, right? That didn't exist back then, but that's essentially it. Here, the reason why everyone's so pleasant to everyone all the time, putting on a face, like, you know, telling it, telling a lie, a, a white lie, just to kind of, you know, nice to meet you, and you don't really care about you. You just them. said it. It's just, um, it's just like, it's a, here, we know that, you know, a relationships uh, is more important uh, for the long term, not like, you know, what matters it's like oh this person might be beneficial for me tomorrow so i got to be nice to them today instead of like you know you're typing something on your computer and someone starts talking to you you just say you know fuck off like what are you doing i'm working here like and then like there's more clear boundaries here there's the boundaries are all messed up like you don't want to piss off somebody because then they can affect something but you go to a pub in ireland and you'll you'll get told to fuck off if you're being different and that's healthy in a way in a way in a way yeah for sure it's just so crazy when you think about it how different it can be i don't have like too many cultural experiences myself of being in other countries like long term or long enough to see like massive differences but when you start talking about it like that you realize how different places like vegas los angeles Mm -hmm. are when it comes to all of this and um i kind of want to go back to you what you're talking about earlier with like your persistency level and how you've managed to kind of uphold that living in the kind of society that we do not only with podcasting but just kind of having a level head with that driving force to kind of keep your career going from where you started to where you're at right now oh yeah i god like in college i had such like a a I like self-induced anxiety to, to improve myself. And I think that the first thing uh, everyone needs to understand is that if you have no anxiety, if you're not uh, uncomfortable with yourself, if you don't think you are, if you think you're perfect, like you need to have these things wrong with you to change, right? Like if you don't think anything is wrong, you're p- completely content, 
you will make no change, which is fine for people. And, you know, for the majority of humanity, when we were evolving, like your mother, your mother's mother, your mother's mother, mother, had you had the same lifestyle. So being content was just an easier thing. People were happier, right? Somebody died of tuberculosis, you'd have a uh, funeral, right? But then you move on with life. Uh, But now everyone is attributing this kind of need to change, which is coupled with anxiety as a problem. Um, because our society is changing so often, like you can actually tell the difference between generations and like decades, right? We say the eighties because it's not just the, the time between 1980 and 1989. It's, it's, there was a culture that was in that moment that you can identify and see where the nineties was completely different in the two thousands and the tens and the twenties and going on to the thirties. We're going to see, uh, differences and, the point of me saying this is like, as I was kind of a, like discovering myself, I was completely happy in high school. Most of the part, like, you know, I was like focusing on girls, whatever, you know, life is content, life is small. You know, you go to school, go home, play video games. But I knew that I didn't want to have the lifestyle that my dad was having or my mom was having. My dad was a nine to five working for the the Clark County here in Vegas. And he's, uh, you know, he makes a good good paycheck, but he's up at 5.30 every morning. He's at work by 6 on the dot. Like, he is super regimented. He gets to go home. He has Friday and Saturday, Sunday off. It's fantastic. But I knew that in order for me to be a Hollywood director or cinematographer or, you know, video creator, something that I've been doing for so long that I have to, I have to mix things up. So, which, in order to do that, you have to get real uncomfortable. You have to be unhappy about everything in your life. Just so you can evaluate it and find its value towards that goal. You gotta hit that like rock bottom almost. Be like, shit, I need to look at everything. Well, some people can self induce a rock bottom. Like, you just, just date the wrong girl, right? <laughs> um, or, or just be really like, but the one thing that during this time, so like, I graduated high school. I'm like, all right, I'm going to UNLV. It's the easiest college. I was going to get accepted anyways. I didn't have to be special to be there. So I'm not a special person. All right, I'm going to film school at UNLV. The, crappiest film uh, academy in the country probably it's never heard of it so i'm like this is not going to do much for me this program which everyone says go to film school you network which i did i met a lot of good friends and i've quickly found out the people who are motivated and not motivated but every single day that's when i started listening to like self-help gary v for motivation i started to listen and proactively chase the career of a cinematographer like what is a cinematographer's thing like instead of aspiring to be something be that something right you're doing the work yeah so so i wanted to be a cinematographer right something in film something i kind of discovered at the first year in college i was like okay so i all i did on my free time is just consume cinematography content right so i had no choice but to evolve into what a cinematographer was because i was studying as a cinematographer uh, uh and it, like every i drove a lot because i had like a part-time job an internship at a studio i was going to school full-time so Every moment I had alone, um, which is usually in my car, I'd listen to these stuff, whether it's Gary Vee for gratitude, you know, you have a lot to learn, entrepreneurship, cinematography to, for techniques and uh, understanding the language that they speak. And and then also just driving in silence, just literally listening to the wind on your cars, just turn nothing turned off and just like going over my life. Like, what am I unhappy about? What do I need to change? And then I started to like chip away at it. Right. And. You know, before I started college in uh, high school and in middle school is like my only goal was to find people that wants to do what I want to do because I was a lone wolf. Everyone that I came across was just like was doing the filming thing that I wanted to do for fun. Like it was Mm -hmm. just like a hobby. But for me, it was serious. Like I'd be like, all right, action, go, you know, take one. And they would mess around and piss me off because my friends who I thought were my friends were just having fun. But me, it's like this is not fun. 
this is me learning and this is me trying to make a product and they're not taking it seriously. So when I got to college, I'm like, problem solved. You know, I have a group of people that do that. What's next? Oh, I just don't have that, you know, entrepreneur mindset because my dad, I grew up with people who were very regimented. Be home at this time. I was in Boy Scouts, which is like military, essentially. Like, you got to be at this camp out at this time. I didn't know how to relax. Like, I just knew that I was like on a schedule and I did that in college. But you have to make time to change. Um, And that time was, you know, the moments between everything to like listen to myself, listen to my body um, and then evaluate what was uncomfortable. Like I broke up with all my girlfriends. I broke up with them because they were bad for me. Like and it was hard. My my previous relationship, uh, I knew that if I kept dating her, she could not fit with my career. She could not fit with my lifestyle. Being a filmmaker is extremely, you're working 12-hour shifts, you're working a bunch all at once, you're not seeing anybody, and then all of a sudden you do nothing all day for half the month. And I was just, you know, if I want to have this lifestyle, I need to make my environment reflect that lifestyle to, to encourage me, right? So if, like, if I was eating too, much, too many sweets at night because I like to smoke, there's no sweets in my house. Like, just don't do it. It's easy. If you just completely remove the ability to, to do stuff you don't want to do. And much like working out, you just kind of realize over the course of a long period, you look back and you're like, wow, I've changed a lot. You know, like I would have never thought when I was 12, I wanted this a sticky pause studios. I wanted a studio people who are all working for a similar goal, making content for the Internet, uh, you know, being creative every single day. Um, I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I was like selling shirts when I was 12. Here I am running a business and I could have never hoped for this. If I thought about this while doing it, I just cultivated the environment to like to blossom something like this where I was nice to people. I understood that giving back, giving to people yields something back. Right. I would let lend my equipment. I would do things for free. I would. And then now when, you know, the time comes like I'm you know, trying to start a studio, I put out a notice like, hey, guys, I'm looking for interns. All of the interns, like the first two interns, George and Chase, were my best friends from from uh, middle school and high school. Like. Those were, they noticed how hardworking I was then and nothing changed when they met me again, like the second time when I grew up. And it comes full circle when you're a good person and when you do the right thing and you work really fucking hard, like these things just don't happen randomly. They, they, they come with the work. They too. just respect you. Like yeah. if, you, if you are un, like a focused, unchanged, like not unchanging, but focused, determined to accomplish a goal, people will just inherently respect you. If you don't know what you want, if you don't know where you want to be, like if you don't know what you want to do when you grow up at any point in your life, you should have that answer. I want to do blank. And even if like, OK, then then you work backwards. Right. If I wanted to be a hairstylist, what do I got to do? How do I got to format my life to be a hairstylist? Because you're not buying into the career. You're buying into the culture it's of the that career. Yeah. I think what you said is really important, too. You cultivate the environment you want to wind up in mm-hmm. way beforehand. Yeah. Way, way, way beforehand. A lot of the things that I'm doing now, I didn't know how to specifically put my finger on it to figure out how to do it. But I'm like, what do people in that position do? How do they act? What do their mornings look like? What do their routines look like? Right. What kind of content are they consuming to help understand it? I didn't have any fucking money exactly. when I wanted to start all this stuff. I was just a hairstylist. That was great as my career, but it wasn't what I wanted the next step to be. So I'm like, what do I do? Mm-hmm. Put myself in environments where I'm around people like you guys. Start networking and talking to those people. Start consuming better 
things. Right. Start taking things out of my life that don't belong there that are holding me back. I cannot tell you how much the people in my life affected me. Right. Relationships especially that were like holding me back. Some, you know, elevated me. Some showed me the way. Even friendships, they they pave those ways for you. But if you are around people and environments that are bringing you down or are not conducive right. to the environment you want to wind up in and the career you want to wind up in, it's going to halt your progress. Right. The, the One of the the kind of sayings I always said in my head is that it's okay to fail. It's actually necessary to fail. It's But it's okay to fail. It's okay to be wrong. It's okay to pivot at any point. I love that word. Um, it always makes me feel like okay to be comfortable. Wrong. Oh, right. Yeah. Well, to you pivot. Right. Oh, pivot. Yeah. I mean, like, so that's really what ended all my relationships is that I had to be okay with making the wrong choice, right? Mm -hmm. And knowing that, like, you know, time heals all wounds. Even like, it's not even if you're just breaking up a, a personal relationship, like you're dating someone. It's just like, okay, you your business fails, or you have to separate yourself from uh, a partner that you were working with. Like this, like knowing that you can just start over and be completely content and having the same goal gives you so much power. If you know that you can lose everything and be okay, that's what is so important. With my current girlfriend, I'm like, um, her name's Christina. Um, Great name. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, like, I pretty much told her in the beginning, I'm like, hey, I am career focused and like you have to be with me for my drive, right? Like I will spend all day at work and I just need someone to support that part of me, right? And so far, so good. She's She understands she's also in the filmmaking community. So she works. That helps a lot. She's a freelancer. She works 12 hours a day for five days straight and then works doesn't work for the rest of the month. But that's like all the money she needs, right? Yeah. So... Like, I knew that whatever I did, even when I was doing projects, I'm like, even if this sucks, like, I'm cool that I did it. Like, once I, like, took the power away from the fear of failing, I became more powerful than I could ever be, right? Even I if I that. didn't have the answer, I have to trust that I will do my best at all times. Like, as long as I know that, you know, let's say this complete, this, all this equipment starts to fail and it's just like one problem after another, after another, after another, I just fix one problem at a time, one problem at a time. And nobody's, yeah, okay, someone might be like, hey, Travis, like, this is failing. You you suck at this. I'm like, well, I know I did my best. You know, and I, what did you learn from it? And, and what, what, did, I, what, what did it teach you? Exactly. It taught me to not trust these devices. Uh, <laughs> um, or it taught me to, like, have redundancies or, you know, or specifically to, like, staying calm under pressure is, like, really important. And if you... Live life without anxiety. Don't expect to change. So you have to make yourself uncomfortable. And if you live life with anxiety, but you want to, you, it's, it's like when when it when mental health is brought up when it when anxiety. I, I went to therapy and they diagnosed me with uh, general anxiety disorder, GAD or whatever, GAD. And I was just like, I'm like, this is so dumb. Um, not to shit on people's mental health, you know, diagnosis, but I feel like. People are being overdiagnosed with mental health issues when, like, it's a temporary thing just because of the spot in your life. Completely. You don't need to take medication because you feel like you need to improve yourself. That's the complete opposite. Like, literally, if I feel like I need to change something in my life, I need to break up with my girlfriend, move out of my house, do blah, blah, blah. I can either, one, feel anxious about that, and I'm told that that feeling's wrong, and then take medication. Now I'm miserable still. And now you're fucked up in and, the head, too. And, yeah, you're miserable, and also you're being medicated, so you're like, you can't do anything. You're at a worse spot than ever. Like, being uncomfortable is the pre like the, the seeds of any change. Yeah. Being be Hating yourself, like, it's... It, knowing that that is a temporary feeling whenever you have the goal, like, okay, you feel trapped. 
you feel like your parents are holding you hostage, right? And you're 17 years old and they're not like they're like, you know, keeping track of your whereabouts. Like, okay, when you turn 18, do something about it. Don't go to the doctor and say you're anxious because your parents are keeping you locked up in your house. It'd be like, okay, find out how to move out. It's easier said than done, obviously. But knowing that the anxiety you're having is in towards a goal, something productive, it doesn't feel like anxiety is a bad thing at all. Like in depression, uh, clinically over long term is something, but short-term depression happens all the time. It happens at night. It happens on a Sunday whenever you have the, the Sunday scaries, you know, <laughs> like these things are just like, okay, like if you're, if you're dreading going to work, there's something wrong. There, yeah. There's, you need to quit and change your life or you need to be okay with that, whatever bullshit you're dealing with on Monday. You just need to be okay that that time will come. You will try your best to solve those problems and that is it. Yeah, and that's that, it's that introspective work that you really have to do to identify these things because people get really comfortable and they even get comfortable in really shitty, toxic situations because yep. they're scared to make the move. But you have to get comfortable being uncomfortable yep. to recognize the things in your life that you are no longer okay with or that you don't want in your life anymore. And once you can understand that you can sit in that and realize that that's a normal place to be to a degree for a certain time period for you to make those movements is really yeah. crucial. And once you can get there, you can get rid of that fear of failing right? and realize that you can fail forward. Failing forward yep. means that with whatever you're doing, if you don't feel like you accomplished it, you still took steps in the right direction right. and you learn something from it. And from there you can keep growing and keep moving, but you're only failing if you don't do anything. Right. If you fail and then just try the same thing. I mean, Einstein said it just repeating the same problem over and over again is the definition of de definition of insanity. Yes. But I think it's also being diagnosed as anxiety and depression. And, right. And it's like now you're on these medications that actually give you less tools to be able to change something in your life. Yeah. And listen, I have all the sympathy in the world because I have been in a position where my situation was so bad that my anxiety and depression felt like it was the weight of the world on me. I didn't know how to make a move. I felt like I was pinned to the ground during my day to day. Mm -hmm. I never thought I'd be there. I never thought I'd get there. I was never diagnosed with clinical depression or anxiety, but I felt like the world was crushing me. And even in the worst situations, I didn't know what to do, but I had to sit in it. Right. And I sat in it 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 probably longer than I really even had to, but I had never dealt with something like this before. And that's why I say I have sympathy because until you've experienced it, you might not understand. But once you get through it, it's like, oh my God, I can do anything now right. because I made the decision to look inward, figure out what I needed to do and push forward. And that's not to say that you won't have spouts of it again. I do right. every once in a while, but like you said, it's seasonal. It's environmental. It It's dependent on the situations you're putting yourself in right. and getting yourself out of victim mentality and taking that control back. Because once you do that, you will thrive. Right. I, I mean, a thousand percent like wholeheartedly believe that. Right. So it, there's like a good analogy that a lot of people use. A lot of people who are way too young giving life advice um, on the Internet. But uh, like a good idea, a good perspective to say is like so, not Everything in your life is usually not your fault, but it's your responsibility, mm -hmm. right? So if, a, if, some, if there's a baby dropped off at your door, someone rings the doorbell and runs away, that's not your fault a baby is like dropped at your door. But it's now your responsibility to do something with that baby, which one, you could just shut the door and just like go on. But now you're responsible for that action, right? There's so many things in your life that is not your fault. It's like if, you're, if your family's physically abusive, not your fault. But you do have – in order to be – 
grow, you have to take responsibility. That's getting out of the victim mentality. You can be a victim of fault, but it, you're never a victim of responsibility. There should be nobody else in this world, not even the government, that is has any control over you, which is why so many people during this you know, crazy time in our government's history is like, they're like, how can you say that it's our fault but when we try to take responsibility and then make change, it's like our fault again, right? Like the, the vaccines, the like even people overdiagnosing and prescribing drugs to children when they're like they haven't been developed. Like, let's take responsibility, parents. Let's you know give your kids the ability to mess up. There's a reason why sports is so good for people. It's because the the coach is a hard ass on you and tell you you suck and you'll never make it. And they're like, shit, maybe I won't. But then they try harder, and now that's the first failure in their life. And then they can grow up knowing that failure is not as big of a deal, right? It teaches you resiliency. Resilience. And that's huge. And that's, and that's what this country is missing is that there's so many people who feel like other people are responsible for their lives. And that wasn't the American way when, like, the, I mean, the whole reason we seceded from, you know, Britain is because we people didn't feel like they, had, they could affect change. It was, they were taxed or whatever, and they were getting, you know— Things weren't their fault, but then they're like, okay, now it's time to take responsibility and make a change. And if you take every approach, every problem in your life like that, like, oh, wow, you know, at any given point in my life right now, like 10 things can go wrong and fuck everything up that I'm trying to do right now. 10 things, so many things, but I, I don't have an ounce of anxiety because I know that I did my best on every single one of those things to balance it. And, and if something goes wrong and it completely collapses, then I have to be honest with myself, take responsibility and then be like, okay, what did I do wrong? How do I need to protect myself? Blah, blah, blah. It's like when, when you get mugged for the first time, you feel like you want a gun, right? It's, it's like there's that, that inherent feeling where it's like, oh, I need to be more secure, right? That is you, what you need to do. It doesn't mean building up barriers, but you have to, but you have to be honest with yourself. Like some people are taking, uh, taking advantage of during you know, awful times in our country. And then there's people who are like, yeah, I was forced to get four vaccines, but next time this happens, there's no fucking way. That's why so many people... You learn through experience, Right. And it's just like, okay, you can evolve still. You can mess up and evolve. Yeah. It's, it's insane. When that, when that comes down to like getting rid of that fear of failure. And also what you mentioned too, I think is part of like the secret sauce to everything is you putting in 100% and knowing you did your absolute best and everything that you possibly could have within your power to achieve a certain goal. What can you regret if something fails? It's the regret because that kills you. Because you did everything you possibly could. Mm -hmm. And if so, if it, if it fucking fails, you're like, okay, what do I do different next time? Exactly. And it relieves that anxiety because now you don't have to be like, well, I could have done this. I should have done this. And then you have to sit with all of that. When right. you know you did everything you possibly could, yeah, you can't sit. You won't sit back and burden yourself with those thoughts. It's it's truly a burden that you bear uh, knowing, holding on to regret. If you just don't, re if you take assertive and intentional action everything you do in your life like whether it's like something like if you're if you want to cheat and eat that ice cream when you're on a diet you better have conviction doing it like be like you know what worth Own it, it. <laughs> worth it uh and then just know like take responsibility for like you know the extra cardio you're gonna have to do the next day right but it's you can set yourself up right a lot of people's lives aren't you know built this way like they they don't have the foundation when you're a kid growing up and if your parents don't have this mentality you won't right so that's the disadvantage Everyone, most people are put at, you know, um, at such a young age. And that's there's a reason why, um, like a book that a lot of people read is a rich dad, poor dad. A lot of the stuff in that book is antiquated these days. But 
it makes a great point of mentality. The reason why the rich stay rich and the poor stay poor is not usually financial. It's because it's a mentality shift, right? It's the shifting from a type of person that makes a lot of money to a type of person who spends a lot of money, right? It's shifting from somebody who knows they have opportunity and feels like it's out there ready to get versus somebody who thinks opportunity is fleeting, right? These are inherent, you know, psychological development things that you're supposed to learn from like your tribe, your family, your family's family, your friends, but are we're being the parents are accepting responsibility uh, over their children's mentality, right? Like we need to pay like when I, I want to have a kid and I want to I I'm going to be such a good father. Um like I want to make sure that kid knows that they they have every opportunity at their in their life and that if something happens they you know their boyfriend breaks up with them or their girlfriend breaks up with them that like you know this is okay everything's okay my parents did a really good job at giving me experiences like putting me in boy scouts you know attempting to put me in soccer attempting to put me in football and then once they found out that i was so passionate about video creation they instead of being like oh i want you to be a mathematician or i want you to be what i want you to be like i wanted to be you know uh, a motorcycle rider. So now you got to be a motorcycle rider. It's like they took what I naturally gravitated towards. Then they gave me the support and feedback that I needed to, you know, solve my problems, give me confidence. Now, when I, whenever I approach situations that challenge my confidence, I always have like who I am baseline, which is, you know, a confident, you know, uh, concerted effort person who puts everything they can into everything they do. Like, I think parents are to blame for all of our problems. It's because we want the school system to raise our kids. We want the daycare to raise our kids. We want to just play video games and just put an iPad in front of kids. We want the algorithms to control your emotions. That's why I, I, I try so hard to not get into the, de- the death scroll. You know, my job is like 99% social media, and I try to not use any of it. I use it for... Work. Work. Mm-hmm. And, but like, there's times where I'm like, oh, this is a cool video. And then it ho- so happens to be in a vertical format. And then it forces you into be like, okay, cool. It's a one minute video. And you swipe up naturally. And you're like, on to the next video, on to the next video. And you're like, I feel like shit right now. It's because it just, sh- it just showed me a bunch of people dying for some reason and, or people being sad or, you know, argumentative people or triggering stuff. And I'm like, no wonder I feel like crap. It's because like this app is forcing me to do that. Whenever I stopped using the like, algorithmic, um, social media, like forcing myself to use the following tab on everything. Like you realize that, oh, I, I do have control over what I consume, right? It goes yeah. back to con- cinematographers consume cinematography stuff. They study c- cinematography. Self-help people, if you're like, they s- consume self-help stuff. They You cultivate the environment you want to have. Like if you want to be a happy person, what does happy people watch? They watch comedy. They don't take themselselves too seriously. They they experiment. Right. So if yeah. you everything around your house and your environment, your friends are so they got to cut them out. If that's the person you want to be, you find find a mentor or somebody who you respect who is doing it right and then try to emulate what they're doing. A thousand percent. One of the things that I tell my clients to do when they're experiencing a lot of things, one of the first things is audit 
their Instagram and audit their social media, audit their following. Like you need to go and look at the kinds of content you're consuming on a daily basis, especially if you are the person who has some time to scroll. Mm -hmm. You are what you consume. It's like the how they tell you, like, if you show me your five best friends, I'll show you your future kind of quote. Oh, I forget how yeah. they I forget how it's worded, but basically you are who you surround yourself with mm -hmm. in the environments that you put yourself in. So if you're surrounding yourself with people who like to party, who like to drink excessively, who don't really have any goals or ambitions, you are slowly going to have a trickle-down effect from all of that, and you are going to start getting less motivated, yep. less driven, mm -hmm. more likely to fall off your goals. But when you're surrounding yourself with people who are like-minded, you are more likely to become better. You know, surrounding yourself with people who are better than you, not just are smarter than you. Like, don't always be the smartest person in the room kind of tactic. Yep. And I even had to go through my following and really look at who I was following and for what reasons yeah and mute a lot of different kinds I of do people it so often and I'm, it's really helpful i love the mute feature because following kind of becomes like i know you like it's kind of like a, if we follow each other we met each other at least yeah once. and you don't want to unfollow people because like genuinely like you have nothing against them it's just their content just like it's not conducive to a healthy environment yeah and it's like you. being forced on your throat because it's just like they're on your feet right, right? but it's, again like you you probably like humans uh have a capability of only having 150 people in your head that you consider like a, a friend and then until it becomes an acquaintance because mm. in 150 people you meet that's a I lot mean, of people too i mean that's a lot of people but you meet hundreds of thousands of people on social media and if you don't really kind of like look at those 150 people who you interact with day to day or at least put them in a box so that whenever you're interacting with them it's like an isolated incident like you know you will be messed up. You will become a person that they are or you'll be influenced by like the 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 day I discovered that like going out wasn't cool if I didn't want to go out was like a, a freeing day. I was like, damn, I could just be everyone's like, yeah, let's keep the party going. I'm like, nah, <laughs> no. Being I able to say no is empowering as fuck. It's like you get out of that people pleasing mentality and you know where to have your boundaries and you realize you're not going to lose friends. And if you do, it's whatever. Like you yeah. have to do what's best for you at the end of the day. Right. Um, one of the, the biggest things that I like, I realized that my comedy, my dad is, grew up in Pennsylvania and like the rural parts. So um, he is very um, white trash. I like guess family comes from white trash. Um, they're, they're wholesome people, very, very kind people. But like they just grew up differently compared to my mom, which grew up in LA, right? So she was like an LA girl. And uh, her dad was like a milk delivery driver, like when milk was delivered in you know, bottles. That's so wild and, to me. Uh, you know, they met in Vegas, which is a melting pot of a bunch of different cultures. And they, I don't know like what my mom saw in my dad, but he must have had a, you know, some, you know, suave. But they fell in love, had kids, had, had <laughs> me and my are. brother. But uh, in my head, I was just like, I, I don't, my dad is a very strange person because he is just in his own world, but he has a certain style of comedy, which works in a certain group of people. So when I was growing up um, and like I was trying to attempt comedy, like I would do dick jokes because that's what my dad would do. You know, comedy to me was flipping somebody off and then just like flipping them off. But, you know, among his friends, I was like, ah, yeah, I did like, right. But then I started saying like people like, well, like I would say, what's up, fucker? And they're like offended. And I'm like, I'm like, that's how that's a term of endearment in my my dad's culture, right? Yeah. That's like flipping someone off is kind of like they're you know razzing each other. And when I went to college, it was like the complete opposite, and I felt like I lost my identity, and that I was being uh, ostracized for what essentially was my culture, which it was never a negative. Like my dad never 
he will help any person. He lets Mormons eat our food all day. Like they'll come by, they're like, hey, you want to talk about the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? He's like, I'm not religious. Come on in and have some food. And, uh, but like, and he says some crazy shit in front of these people. Um, anyways, but like, that's a different story for a different day. But um, when I was like going through my Twitter phase, I'm trying to be funny. Um, I found myself being completely frozen in my ability to present myself because I felt like nobody would accept my truth, right? Mm. Like I never, I was doing comedy for the sake of comedy. I wasn't pulling from a place of where most comics do, like a place of depression or commonality. I was just making jokes that I thought were funny, which would never land. And then when I was like, when I was challenged, I didn't have anything to back it up. Like, why did you say that? It's like, oh, because my dad says that exact thing and it's funny, but it's only works with my dad because he has the experience, right? He has like the background and uh, children can't do comedy. Like just the, you need the life experiences. You need to be sad and happy to do f- comedy. But even to this day, like I've been trying to make an animated um, c- uh, series, a comedy series, kind of like an adult swim aesthetic of uh, animated erasers that talk to each other. And uh, I cannot write comedy for the life of me. But put me in a situation with a bunch of people. And I'm, I'm but I love improv, right? Because like I can... I can receive something, interpret the scenario, understand what was happened five minutes ago or earlier in the day, and I can say something. It's like, it kills. But you put me in a, a cold environment where nobody understands anything. I'm just like, having to nothing. relate to them. I got nothing because <laughs> I, I just am so scared that I will, like, offend someone or that I will, like, like my experience isn't what people they experience. They won't translate. It's just like, you know, I, I, I live a unique life, you know, yeah. compared to most people. Like, I've never been super poor, but I've always been super frugal. Like I, I'm have no money right now in my bank account. But, you know, like doesn't mean I feel poor. I feel completely wealthy. And you're I have happy. great friends. I have a, like a wonderful girlfriend. I have a place to sleep, which is a minimum. I have a car that's like you know older than me, but it runs, it functions, and uh, and not many people can relate to that. Well, it also goes <laughs> to show you that wealth isn't just defined by a dollar amount. No. It really isn't, and I, I, I think that's so important for people to recognize that you can be so happy and wealthy in life and not have a huge stuff. I feel account. so wealthy. I feel like I feel like the happiest I've been in my entire life, but I'm the poorest I've been in my entire life right isn't now. Isn't that crazy? Because I spend a lot of money to do certain things for my businesses and stuff, so I'm like right on the, the yeah. wire. But again, it goes back to I have tw- like 10 things at any given point. If any of them fail, I'm fucked. But, but you know what? I have no anxiety. Yes, and this this energy will keep you plowing forward for 100%. sure. And I'm so glad you shared that because I think that energy translates like outward and in abundance and just keeping that abundant mentality when you are so thankful and grateful for the abundance that you do have in your life and aren't just thinking about it in this like big, like, you know, dollar amount way. I think that is what is going to make somebody successful long term. So thank you for sharing that. Of course. Um, I'm really inspired by this podcast and I hope everyone else is too because there were so many nuggets of information even in this conversation that I was like, wow, I needed to hear that. So right. I'm I'm so thankful for you and thankful that you've helped me along my own journey and Literally, anytime I ever have a question, you are like, let me open up a book and record this and give you an hour's worth of information just because I want to and I'm so passionate about it. And I see that and feel that. So thank you. And I'm sure everyone here can probably say the same thing. I hope so. Yeah. I, I, I want to be a mentor, not in uh, not just in knowledge, but a mentor in vibe. Yes. Like, it's important that like culture here at Sticky Paws 
is the most important thing. The product will be whatever it is, but the product can't be good if the, the culture people don't want to be here, right? Yeah. So I'd, I would, I 100% prefer people who don't know anything technically and have the impeccable vibe or like the, the mentality or the drive. They yes. can accomplish anything and you can train them to do anything. But the people who come in with like a wealth of knowledge, but like are miserable and hate their lives, like they're, they're not going anywhere. They're not useful. That's not yeah. how sticky pauses. Sticky Paws is, and I hope that reflects in all the content we produce. All of our engineers kind of have like some like personal investment in each of the projects they do because they come to work, hopefully, and I, I hope that they don't have the Sunday scaries um, <laughs> because I definitely don't. I am excited to tackle every day. Even yeah. on the weekends, I'm like, I have to work. That sucks, but, you know, I'm excited to do it. At least I love where I'm at. No, the vibes are always immaculate here. And for those of you listening, make sure to check out Sticky Paws' array of podcasts that we yeah. have here. They have all of the Junkies podcasts now, which I don't even know how many you guys uh, are up to at this like point. six or something. We have Bizarre Junkies is true crime. If you guys like uh, true crime, I know a lot of the ladies like that stuff for some reason. Um, don't not, They know how to bury bodies, guys. Uh, pay attention. <laughs> uh, we have Action Junkies for like betting and sports. Fitness Junkies for your fit, uh, fitness people. Um, we have uh, Latino Junkies. We have a Spanish, uh, like more like a Puerto Rican sort of uh, – a podcast focusing on Latino culture, which is something that we're really proud of. We have Real Vegas Junkies, like a like a Vegas-based show that interviews like you know local restaurants and stuff like that. Our goal is to build out every single niche that exists has something junkies to it. Uh, we're starting a few comedy junkies with a uh, a few uh, like comedians who are you know have residencies here, and it's gonna be really exciting. And gridiron um, junkies. Oh, and gridiron junkies for football. Thank you so much for mentioning that, Amber. Uh, but essentially, like we're going to become the the rooster teeth, if you know who that is, the bar stool sports, if you know how that is, or any other co- collective of people just, you know, just being a creative person. And definitely check out our uh, our Instagram at Sticky Paws Studios. Uh, you can check out my personal Instagram at Travis Flesher as well. Um, yeah, we're just and we want to make content about making content. Like we want people if you're interested in like the culture here, like reach out. We we love to teach. Nothing here is proprietary. We're just doing the thing, doing the thing that many people want to do. Yeah, it's a good place to be. And yeah, I obviously honestly couldn't have said it better. I have had such a great experience here at Sticky Paws hosting Fearless, and they have taught me absolutely everything that I have brought onto this show. Um, so I'm forever thankful. So make sure you guys come in and check it out if you're ever in Vegas. Check out all the podcasts on our YouTube and other social medias. And if you guys ever have any questions or have anything that you'd love to see us talk about, make sure to reach out. We love to chat, obviously, that we're behind the microphone. But uh, we'll see you guys next time. 